Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. Can y'all hear me? We're having a few sound issues this morning. Is that good? Way back in the back. No, please don't blow the horn. That is, oh, all right. Um, I, uh, good. I'm glad everybody can hear me. Uh, it's not that I don't want you to blow your horn. Just understand, I get easily distracted. So just know that if y'all do that, I'll completely lose my train of thought and we'll be here for three hours. So uh, I appreciate that. Thank you guys for being here. My name is Craig Thompson. I am senior pastor here at Malvern Hill, and it is our joy to have you with us. If you've gathered with us here in the parking lot, we're glad. If you're watching us from at home, uh, we're also glad that you're here with us. And uh, we want to continue to do all that we can to minister to you during uh, this time of, of social distancing as we continue to live through the COVID-19 pandemic here, not only in South Carolina, but across the world. Uh, just FYI, we will continue to maintain this same schedule for a while yet. Our governor is giving us a little bit of, of, uh, of direction on some, some decisions we could make moving forward, but it will still be a while before there is a comfort level with, uh, with lots of people indoors. So just, just be aware, these are our plans for now, and we're so grateful that the Lord continues to bless us with this incredibly good weather it's, uh, it's going to be warm, so the longer I preach today, the more anxious you'll be for me to finish, I'm sure. But uh, God has certainly been good to give us good weather. Um, this morning, we're going to continue in the book of Hebrews. We've been here for a number, well, for one week, and we will be here for quite a while this morning. So if you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and turn, we'll be in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 4, and we're going to read all the way through the end of the book. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. I'm at the end of the chapter. Did I say the book? We're going to be here a while, aren't we? All right, well, I mean, we could. Um, all right, here now, for this is the word of God. Having become as much more superior to his angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs, for to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens of the work of, are the work of your hands. But they will perish, but you, will re, or, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Pray with me. Father God in heaven, we give you praise and glory and honor, for you alone are worthy. As Buster has said, we continue to pray that you, acknowledging that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this morning, as we will see from your word, your reign is eternal. Be glorified and praised as we offer you our praise and our worship, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. We, um, 
before we, we jump into the sermon, were we able to get the, the FM transmitter? Are we up or down? Yes or no? Okay, never mind. We are hoping to get that worked out for you in the future so that uh, if, if you do get hot, we could uh, have you turn on your radios and, and roll your windows up. But for today, that is not a possibility. So uh, we're going to continue to mess with that. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, we're going to really wrestle right now with the idea of Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. But have you ever wondered why is that a big deal? Why is it such a big deal that we emphasize Jesus' role, his title, and his relationship as God's Son? There are some things in the world that are big deals, but we don't notice it right away. These big deals kind of fly under the radar. For instance, in 1981, a man named Christian Glenn desired to imprint his business with his Christian convictions. And as a result, Mr. Glenn literally included scripture references on every piece of equipment that he manufactured. From 1981 until 2010, he actually encoded scripture references in the serial numbers of the items that he produced. And from 1981 to 2010, it went largely unnoticed. But in 2010, his company became embroiled in a controversy because of those scripture verses. The company is named Trigicon. And Trigicon produces some of the most high-quality optics, rifle and gun optics, in the entire world. And they're used by militaries all across the globe. And in 2010, when some people became aware of the fact that the company embossed uh, scripture references into their serial numbers. Of course, there were a lot of people that made a huge uproar over this because of their decision to do that. In 1981, nobody knew anything about what Trigicon was doing, and yet in 2010, that small act became a very big deal. Sometimes, big deals fly under the radar in the beginning. Other times, big deals are really big deals that are difficult to miss. Yesterday, we were able to tune in to a live sporting event for what seems like the first time in 10 years. It's been about two months since there's been any live sporting event of significance. Anybody watch this? Anybody see it? None of y'all? Come on. So yesterday, there was a live sporting event that took place in Iceland. That's right. They actually have sports there. Um, uh, they, uh, there's, there's a man, his name is Thor Bjornsson. And Thor Bjornsson is an actor and a strongman competitor. Thor Bjornsson broke the world record for a deadlift yesterday. It was live. It was broadcast live. It was recorded live. News agencies all across the world have nothing better to do, and they have no other sports to talk about. So magically, for the first time in history, a deadlift is the biggest thing that's happened in the world in the last 24 hours. And he deadlifted. Let me make sure I get this number right. Uh, 1,104 and a half pounds yesterday. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. What was most amazing to me was not the fact that he picked it up. He sat it back down. He didn't drop it once he picked it up. He sat it back down. Now, nobody misses the fact that Thor Bjornsson is a big deal. And it's not simply because he deadlifted this magnanimous amount of weight. He's also a mountain of a man. He's huge. He's six foot nine, and he's probably about 440 pounds right now. When he walks through a doorway, he fills it up. Understand, he is two of me. That's how large this human being is. 
Thor Bjornsson is a big deal, and nobody questions whether or not he's a big deal because when he walks into the room, the whole world knows it. So you see, there are two different ways that big deals happen. Sometimes there are big deals that just don't seem like a big deal in the moment. Other times, they're big deals that can't be hidden. When it comes to Jesus as the Son of God, I want you to know that it's a big deal. It's a very big deal, and it's a big deal whether you recognize it or not. It's a big deal whether it has flown under the radar of your life for the past 35 years or whether or not you recognize it as the most explosive thing in all the world. The fact that Jesus is the Son of God is a big deal. It may be the biggest deal in the entire world. But why does it matter that Jesus owns that title? When it comes to this title as the Son of God, the writer of Hebrews wants to make sure that we understand it. And as I said last week, and we'll continue to emphasize over the coming weeks, if we don't get Jesus right, it's difficult for us to get anything else right. We've got to understand who Jesus is so that we can really grasp what our Christian faith looks like and is all about. And so Jesus is a big deal as the Son of God. And there are four things this morning that I think we can see to help us to understand what the big deal is. The first thing, Jesus is the Son of God. I know I said that like four times already, but we're going to live there for just a few more minutes. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, this is not only the relationship that Jesus has to the Father, but this is the title that Jesus owns. When the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God, it certainly carries with it the understanding of relationship, just as I am the son of Robbie. But understand, the relationship and the title matters more because Jesus' Father is none other than the Creator and the Sustainer of the world. There's more than just a relationship. See, Jesus is named not the son of Joseph. We have Jesus at one time referred to as the son of Mary, but the reason was because people were trying to, to, to get down on him. It was a pejorative term. Jesus was called the son of this woman. But Jesus is more than that. He is the son of God. There's power in that title. As the Son of God, He is the rightful heir of all that God has created. All that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. The angels, the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand, are created beings. Now, in, in, in the ancient world, there was a belief, especially in the Jewish world, that angels were incredibly important. Now, the importance of angels had to do with the belief that uh, among the Hebrew people, that, that the angels carried the messages of God. So they, they believed that the actual inspired scriptures was given to the scripture writers by angels. Um, they were elevated to a place that was probably unbiblical. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews, or the writer of the Hebrews, to so these Christians that we believe were in Rome, wants them to understand that angels have a part to play in the world, and they're a part of God's created world, but the angels are just that, created beings. The Son of God is something entirely different. He says to them, you want to elevate the role of angels, and you think angels are a big deal. Well, tell me, how many of the angels has God ever said today, you are my son, and I am your father? Only one. There is only one who owns that title and that responsibility, that privilege. You know that in 13 times, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is better. 
Jesus is better. Thirteen times in this book we are reminded that Jesus is better. He's better than what? He's better than everything else. But specifically, in this first chapter, we are reminded that he's better than the angels. And folks, can I tell you that he is better than all the other options you have in your life? He's better than all of your excuses. He's better than all of your privileges. He's better than all of your blessings. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's worthy of our worship. And that this morning... Uh, brings us to our second point. Jesus is not only the Son of God, but Jesus is the object of worship. Now, he's not an object of worship. He is the object of worship. Now, this is important for us as we consider exactly what the nature of Jesus is. The Bible teaches us in Exodus chapter 34 that God is a jealous God. The Bible says specifically, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. What would it mean if this God, who allows no other worship of any other gods, says that Jesus is worthy of worship? It can mean only one thing. It can mean not only that Jesus is worthy of worship, it must mean that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is very God of very God. Here we have a reminder of the existence of a Trinitarian God. That God doesn't exist only in God the Father, but he exists as three persons united in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here we are reminded that God the Son is worthy of worship. The Father says, through the mediation of the Spirit, as His Word is written down by this writer of the Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is, wor- <coughs> is worthy of worship. Folks, can I remind you, and please never forget, that Jesus is not like God. He is God. The Council of Nicaea was convened in 325 A.D. The Council of Nicaea, y'all have heard me talk about this before. The Council of Nicaea was convened for the purpose of wrestling with the question of what is the essence of Jesus. In other words, the question was this. Is Jesus God or is Jesus like God? Now that seems like it's sort of a small phrase. Understand that in the Greek language, it's far less. In our language, we have to insert an extra space and we get L-I-K-E. So we get four whole letters. In the Greek language, the question was not about four letters in one space, but about two letters which make up one syllable in one Greek word. The question is whether or not Jesus was homo usios, homo usios, or homoi usios. Two letters, actually one syllable in one letter. Whether or not it's homo usios or homoi usios. Is Jesus of the same substance with God, or is Jesus of a similar substance with God? Well, of course, the the overwhelming evidence of Scripture points to the fact that Jesus is not of a similar substance. He is of the same substance with God. In other words, Jesus is God in the flesh, which is why Jesus is worthy of worship. That's why when we bow down and we worship and and, and praise the name of Jesus Christ, we're not guilty of idolatry. When we bow down and worship and praise the name of Jesus, we have We have not suddenly become those who would worship multiple gods, as Muslims would claim of us. Instead, we worship one God and three persons. And one of those persons is the very Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the object of worship. Thirdly, this morning, Jesus is the King of glory. Y'all, this is a pretty big deal because He is the King of glory. Right? We, we, We don't talk about glory. That's one of those... 
old revivalist words that we don't use as much anymore. We talk about glory as, as heaven or as the final resting place for the saints. But understand that Jesus is the king of that realm where he currently resides, and he is the king of all the realms that have ever been created, and he will be the king from now on. He is the king of glory. Now keep in mind, <coughs> a monarchy is different from our democratic republic. At least in theory, in our democratic republican form of government, elected officials are are answer, answerable to us as the people, right? At least in theory, we have a responsibility. But in a monarchy, the king has total control. The king has total control. Understand that we think, or when we speak about Jesus as being totally in control, in an American context, people bristle at this. In the ancient world, there was no bristling at this because there was a full understanding of what a king was and what a king meant. This is why Christians were enemies of the Roman state. Because they understood that if they bowed the knee to Caesar as the ultimate authority, then Jesus took a back seat. But Caesar understood that if they bowed the knee to Jesus, then he could not compete with the one to whom they worship. Jesus is the king, and he claims total control. I like the way that S.M. Lockridge said it. He said that Jesus is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews, so he's a racial king. He's the king of Israel, so he's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages. He's the king of glory. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I tell you that he's also a personal king and a gracious king and a patient king. He's a king that loves at all costs, but he's a king that demands your worship and your allegiance. He is a king that will allow no other. Do you know him? Will you worship this king? Why is Jesus a big deal? Because he is the king par excellence. He's the king that all others aspire to. He's the only king worthy of total and complete allegiance because he is the king of glory. And finally this morning, Jesus' Jesus's reign is eternal. Jesus is a big deal because his reign is eternal. He never runs out. This week, I raided some snacks from the children's building. It's true. I don't know if you know this, but Thursday was National Oatmeal Cookie Day. And I've been concerned that since our buildings have been shuttered for so long, that many of those snacks in the children's building could potentially expire and have to be thrown in the trash. I was on the phone with Rhonda. I said, Rhonda, I need to confess to you. I was on my cell phone. I said, I need to confess. For those of you who don't know, Rhonda Adams is our children's minister. She oversees all of our little angels. I said, I need to confess to you. While we are speaking right now, I am in your domain. I am scrounging through the cabinets, and Rhonda, I'm concerned that if I don't do something, all this food is going to go to waste. Do you know? Do you know that little Debbie cakes have an expiration date? Fresh food will spoil after a few days, but even after a few decades, a little Debbie cake will go bad. I mean, I really don't know how they could go bad. I don't know what's in them. There can't be, there's nothing good for me in those. 
But I know that they have an expiration date, and as a result of that expiration date, I felt an obligation to you, the members of Malvern Hill, to eat two of those oatmeal cream pies. Do you know, just as a side note, do you know that one of those oatmeal cream pies, Robert, you need to pay attention, one of those oatmeal cream pies is actually three servings. Y'all, that is a shame. I didn't know it until I'd eaten the whole thing. I was on the phone with Rhonda. I said, man, that was good. And I looked at the back. I said, this isn't too bad. 120 calories. I said, whoa, hold on. That's three servings. That's a lie. All right, that really doesn't have anything to do with my sermon. Um, but what does matter is that those things have an expiration date. Okay? They do. We, we will have to, to grow through. Their, their, um, I think Buster and Charlotte came up a few weeks ago and threw everything out of the refrigerators in the kitchen and in the, in the, the uh, gym area back there because we, y'all haven't been in here for two months. Everything is going to go bad. We've got to throw things out and get rid of it. Do, do you know that everything in this world seems to have an expiration date? But folks, there is no expiration date on Jesus' reign. He never goes out of date. He never spoils. He never goes bad. He never gets out of popularity. Jesus is always the king. His reign (coughs) is eternal. Why is Jesus a big deal? Every other leader has died. Every other leader has died just this week. Rumors swirled and speculation circulated that the dictator of North Korea was possibly dead. He wasn't. A few weeks ago, the prime minister of Great Britain was hospitalized in serious condition with coronavirus, and there was fears that he might not survive. Seventy-five years ago this week, Adolf Hitler took his life with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. But Jesus' reign will never end. Good kings die. Bad rulers die. But Jesus lives forever. And his reign is eternal. The reign of evil will end. The reign of death will end. The reign of pain will end. But Jesus' reign is eternal. He will rule forever. And folks, that is a big deal. It's a big deal because for all of eternity... You will have the choice. You have the choice today. For all of eternity, you can worship, praise, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Or for all of eternity, you can live separated from Jesus in a very real place called hell. It's a big deal because Jesus reigns forever. We will live forever, and we get to decide whether or not we live forever in His presence or separated from Him. So I ask you this morning... Do you know him? Will you serve him? Will you worship him? Will you praise him? Will you honor him? Thirteen times the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is better. But can I tell you that if it said it 13,000 times, it still wouldn't be enough. Because Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the rulers. He's better than everything you've ever known. And his reign is forever. This morning I want to invite you to know Jesus. This morning I want to invite you to worship Jesus. 
This morning, I want to invite you to acknowledge Jesus. I don't know. Can y'all hear that? Y'all can't from your cars. It's kind of fun. We can actually hear the Nazarene church worshiping right now. That's awesome, isn't it? The gathered saints of God out here in these communities proclaiming the glories and the excellencies of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Watch this. For all of eternity, the saints of God will gather together and they will sing the praises of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the new heavens and the new earth, I don't exactly know what it will look like as we fall down around the throne and we worship the King, but I have a, a thought that perhaps we'll be spread out sort of like we are. And maybe in that place where there will be no need for the sun because the king will reign eternal. Maybe in that place where there won't be any humidity. Maybe in that place we'll all gather outdoors on occasion and we'll lift our voices and we'll sing praise and glory to the king of kings and the lord of lords who reigns forever and ever and who is king of kings. This morning we adjoin us in not only singing to him, Will you join us in making him your king and your savior and your Lord? Today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day when you say, Lord God, you don't have an expiration date, but God, I know that I do. And Lord, I don't know how much longer I'll be here, Lord God, if I'm here another 24 hours or I'm here another 24 years or Lord God, if I'm here another 124 years, Lord, I want to worship and serve and praise you all of my days. Today can be the day. So if you're with us today in this parking lot or you're with us at home, I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that Jesus is the king and he wants to be your king. And I want to invite you today to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. There's never been a sin in your life that was so great that Jesus couldn't forgive it. There's never been a fault in your life that was so significant that Jesus wouldn't forgive it. You've not strayed so far that Jesus won't bring you home. He's worthy of your praise and your worship. And He wants to have a relationship with you. If you're at home today or you're here in this parking lot, I, I can't bring you up and pray with you. But I could lead you in a prayer that perhaps today you might be willing just to pray, Lord God, I, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I don't understand everything about all that you've done, but Lord, I know that you love me and I know that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And today, Lord God, I ask you to come into my life and save me. You know, with a simple prayer like that, that the promise of God's word is that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. With a simple prayer like that, you can give your heart and life to Jesus. If you're at home sitting on your couch, you can pray and give your life to Jesus. If you do that, we'd like to know. I'd love for you to give me a call this week so I could talk with you about that. Shoot me an email so that we can counsel you through that. If you're here in this parking lot today, see, it's possible. It's possible. There's somebody that got in their car and drove over here today and doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. And maybe today, for the very first time in your life, you're willing to say, you know what? I need this king to be my king. He'll save you today. Do you know him? Do you know him? Let me pray for us before we sing. Lord God, I pray that your word would take root in our hearts and our lives, that you'd be at work in us, through us, and among us. And Father God, we would worship you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is eternal 
and gracious and merciful and loving. In Jesus' name, amen.